Welcome to the Social Learning Amplified podcast, the podcast that brings us candid conversations with educators who are finding new ways to engage and motivate their students inside and outside the classroom. Each episode of Social Learning Amplified will give you real-life examples and practical strategies you can put into practice in your own courses. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome to Social Learning Amplified. I'm your host, Eric Mazur, and our guests on the episode are Matthew Winslow and Travis Martin of Eastern Kentucky University. Matthew is professor of psychology and teaching enhancement coordinator, and Travis is the director of the Kentucky Center for Veteran Study and first year courses administrator at Eastern Kentucky University. Thank you both for joining me again uh, in this uh, podcast. Great to be here. Yeah. Pleasure. I uh, greatly enjoyed our, uh, our previous episode on uh, ungrading. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about ungrading and making adjustments to my own implementation of ungrading in my course, which I just kicked off uh, two weeks ago. So our, our recording there was very helpful in uh, seeding some new ideas. But originally, we were connected through uh, perusal and our joint use of perusal in our courses. So I'd like to shift the subject of our discussion today a little bit and find out how your adoption of perusal fits into the ungrading philosophy. What, what problems were you trying to solve when you discovered perusal? I'd be happy to start with that. Um, so in our last talk, we, we defined ungrading, or at least I did, in terms of any classroom activity or action or pedagogical technique that moves the emphasis away from grades and onto learning, so intrinsically motivated learning. And to me, perusal is a really good platform for that because it puts the students in charge of the uh, the, the, the rate in which they uh, consume the knowledge, as well as the methods in which they uh, they discuss the knowledge with their peers and with their instructors in, in the platform. It gives them a way to kind of like focus on the learning instead of the, uh, the, the end result. It's a journey more than a destination. So it fits really well with ungraded pedagogy. Yeah, and I actually started using perusal uh, before I started ungrading. Um, and so when I got into ungrading, uh, actually it was a kind of a challenge for me because perusal has that great feature of being able to score students' engagement in the readings um, in a very sophisticated way. And I knew that perusal had uh, gave me the ability to modify how that uh, how that scoring worked. And so when I started on grading, um, I went into those uh, settings and it was great that I could figure out how to turn off the scoring totally. And so students now in my classes go on to Perusal and they just interact and engage and uh, chat and comment. And they don't really know anything about the scoring side of Perusal. And that's really wonderful for me. So, so just to to um, get some more details on that last point, you turn off the scoring so the students don't see the scoring. Do you still look at it to no, get a measure I, of students' engagement? You no, I, I don't. I, I just uh, let them do it on their own, and um, I, I don't even pay any attention to it whatsoever. 
And what about you, Travis? Is, is the same true for you? No, I'm a bit more moderate in that regard, actually. I, I use the threshold grading feature. And so I tell the students that there are certain uh, parameters for which they, they need to meet. Uh, I give them a list of bullets and, and LMS, such as, uh, you know, two thoughtful comments of their own reply to a previously posted question that I made, and they can earn extra credit by upvoting, and eventually they'll cross a threshold and get full credit. And I actually turn that down lower than what I tell them to do. And so they find that getting the credits really easy the first two weeks or so, and they end up just having conversations instead of trying to game it. And one of the things I always tell them, and I just, I, I like to talk to my students like adults instead of, instead of children. I was like, you will, you will spend more time trying to game this algorithm than you would actually doing the work. And that's, that's definitely true the way I've set it up. And eventually they figure that out and they stop asking about points altogether. So let me understand the threshold grading. It's essentially a, an, an on or off, a pass fail type of thing, or is there, is there any type of gradation? It's a pass fail the way I've got it set up. So, you know, I set it up to a scale of one to 10 and I say, if they meet 70% of the mark, then they'll get full credit or 80% or whatever, whatever you want to do. I actually change it depending on the level of the course. And, um, you know, of course, you can set that up in the algorithm to where, you know, 55% is annotations and 30% is uh, reading to the end and 10% upvotes. And so one of the things I really love about the algorithm settings is that it even gives you like a little green notice whenever you give them more ways than one to reach 100% or to complete the assignment. And that's right up the ungrading alley, so to speak, because we want students to find their own path to, to, to the knowledge, not be directed by us through exercises and obedience. And so a little bit of a, a you know, kind of guardrails to keep them on the path in my design. Uh, but, you know, that's just how it works for me. And that's always how I view pedagogy. You got to adapt the processes and procedures that work with your personality and style and content. Yes. So now we have one of you who has turned off the grading completely and the other who has not. Um, I think it takes a certain amount of courage to turn off the grading completely because you have to have a trust in having, you know, your students, you know, finding that your students have enough intrinsic motivation to, to do the reading. I'd love to hear your, your uh, comments on that from both of you. If you turn off the grading completely, how um, sure can you be that, that the reading still takes place? Um, it, it's difficult for me to be sure that the reading takes place, and that is hard to give up that uh, that knowledge, that certainty. But I, I talk to my students about benefits, right? I, I talk to them about um, what they can get out of my course, and that's what I care about, and that's what I hope they care about. So I tell them very clearly, and it's easy to communicate this to them because they understand it intuitively that the material is where they're going to you know, really learn about my topic. And so hopefully they are intrinsically interested in reading the material. Um, and perusal helps, I think, make that reading the material more, inter not entertaining necessarily, but more engaging, uh, more beneficial. And so I'm, I'm with Travis. I, I, I try to treat them as adults, as people who are, you know, trying to get the most out of my course get the most for their money. I mean, this is this is their opportunity. This is their money. They're paying me uh, for this course. So 
Um, it's up to them to get out of my course what they want to get out of my course. And I, I really try not to focus on ensuring that they get a certain thing out of my course. I've, I have the benefit of not teaching courses generally that are uh, prerequisites for other courses. So uh, there's no one else following me that is relying on me to teach my students anything. My classes generally are ones that students take and they can get out of it whatever they want. So, you know, whatever they want to get out of my course is what I want them to get. I want them to have the freedom to choose that. And you're right, that takes a lot of trust. Um, but that's the kind of relationship that I really want to have with students. Uh, these are, um, you know, adults like we are, and they're not kids. And, and it's up to them to decide what to get out of my class. And if they want to get a ton out of my class, they can really dive in. And if, you know, if not, or if they've got some other things that are happening in their life that are more of a priority right then, um, then I want them to be able to pay attention to those things, just like I do in my life. And, um, and Perusa really allows me to do that. A, a little confession here um, before we turn to, to Travis. Um, I, in my course, which also uses ungrading, um, we, I, I've not had the guts to turn off the scoring in perusal and, and, you know, students have sort of this love hate relationship, uh, because of the, because of the scoring in perusal, because they are so, you know, focused on, on scores, especially at, at, at my, um, at my institution. So I haven't had the, I haven't had the guts to do it. And now my course is a prerequisite and the students who are taking it are not taking it because they're there for the learning. They're mostly there because they have to be. What about you, um, Travis, in your course? What would it take to adopt? Well, see, I have a, any scoring at all. You know, I have a, I have a, a bit of a different philosophy. I, I mean, I know for from anecdotal evidence as well as, you know, the pilot that we did that Matt's method works just as well as anyone else's that uses it at our school. For me though, like I, I've implemented Perusal in two two large programs, or one large program, one small program. Our first year seminar program, which is about 120 first semester freshmen, largely from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds, uh, 120 courses full of them. And then the veteran studies program, which is much smart, much smaller. And so for me, like I, my, my thinking is that with the freshmen, especially, and they fill both of those classes, they're coming in that with, you know, 18 years or, you know, 15 years or so of indoctrination about transactional education mindsets. And so I don't want to just throw them in, you know, into the deep end and say, OK, do whatever you want, because they've been taught their entire lives to not do what they want, but to do what the teacher wants. And so my worry has always been that. Um, they really haven't developed that sense of intrinsic motivation yet about school. And so, you know, whether or not I'm right about that in every case is not even a question I'm not. I'm sure there are many of my students that come in and would gladly uh, have no grades and do great. But I do find that, you know, a good number of my students need those guardrails, as I was calling them, uh, to stay on track. And, you know, to me, the met, I think it's important the instructors stop focusing on the grades as well when you're using like threshold grades. And so every assignment I have is pass fail and I kick it back to them if they need to improve it. And there are standards uh, that I do adhere to, um, but they have unlimited attempts to keep improving upon their work until we run out of time together. And that's the key thing 
So what I'm looking for is not meeting the threshold. I'm looking for instead of the bare minimum of three comments, 12 comments, when I start seeing that repeatedly, then I know they've made that kind of shift in mindset. But isn't it interesting that, that uh, you know, here we are at Eastern Kentucky University and we have some of the poorest counties in the United States and then some of the not great educational backgrounds of our students walking into our classes. And here you are at Harvard, um, the best students in the nation you could possibly ever imagine. And we're, we're both struggling with this issue of students are wanting to have points and scores because that's what they're used to. Um, and it's interesting to hear you, Eric, say that um, you haven't been able to uh, take the plunge of taking the scores off entirely because I, I'd never been to Harvard. I don't know what Harvard students are like, but um, in some ways you might I might imagine that they are the most intrinsically motivated students in the world. These are students who are the best learners possible that we could ever imagine. And, and yet they walk into your class and they are looking for those points and scores just like our students are. Well, you know, here's the reality. How do you think they got into Harvard, right? They got into Harvard partially because of a selection that is very heavily weighted towards scores. So, um, you know, in a sense, and, and you know how competitive it is to be to get into the top universities and colleges in the United States. So, so the whole process of you know, getting them into Harvard has been based on numerical, uh, well, you know, fortunately we interview uh, applicants too, but, but a very big part of the entire application process for competitive schools in the United States is based on, uh, on numerical scores. And so I think that, um, and I think it was you, Travis, who pointed that out, you know, these students have gone through 12 years of elementary and middle and high school education where this whole idea of, you know, it's a score that matters has been ingrained in, ingrained in them. And I think we touched on that briefly last time. We should really start with ungrading in kindergarten uh, and, and then maintain it. I mean, you, you look at young children and they're completely intrinsically motivated. And then we beat that intrinsic motivation out of them and it goes mm -hmm. through school and then maybe college, maybe even graduate school, mostly extrinsically motivated. And it's only later in life that you rediscover the beauty of intrinsically motivated learning. But anyway, let's, let's turn back to, uh, to uh, perusal. And I, I would love to hear from you what other best practices you have developed for the use of perusal in your uh, classroom, not necessarily tied to, um, to ungrading. So maybe we'll start with uh, Matt and then go to Travis. Yeah, but my favorite thing to do with perusal is to put my syllabus on perusal. So um, the first day of class going through the syllabus is um, something that I used to do, but I don't do anymore because the syllabus is on perusal and students can get in there and they want to know what the course is and how the course is going to work and all the rest. Um, but when they look at it on perusal and they see comments from other students, um, it's, it's such a great way to introduce them to not just the course, but to each other, as well as to perusal. Um, it, it's such a, I love doing that. And also on the syllabus, it talks about 
uh, that we're going to use peruse also. It's a really a, a meta activity. But um, I also talk about ungrading in my syllabus, and I get a ton of comments uh, from students about ungrading in the syllabus on perusal. And so they have this huge conversation, um, sometimes even before we even meet in person, um, if it's an in-person class. And if it's an online class, then of course, that's really where the course is. And they really have an incredible conversation about the syllabus. And when I started teaching online, uh, one of the things that people told me to do was to have a syllabus quiz, right? This is how you get the students to read the syllabus is you create a quiz about the syllabus that forces them to read the syllabus and then answer a bunch of questions. And I did that for a while, but now, of course, I don't do that because I don't want to have grading. Um, uh, so, but putting it on perusal is such a great thing. It's a great introduction and it's a great way to kick off the course. And so that's my best practice. So what do you do then with all the information that comes back to you? Do you actually make changes to the syllabus? Do you discuss parts of the syllabus that the students find very controversial in class? Uh, or is it just, you know, a, a, an opportunity for the students to interact about the syllabus and that's it? No, I, I, one of the, another feature of perusal that I really love, thank you for your, your tech designers who've done this, is it's easy to copy and paste comments from, from perusal and paste them into another document. So I, I have in the past taken their comments for an in-person class, for example, and put their comments up on, you know, a projector and said, okay, look, this is what, you know, uh, Susan said or John said, um, and this is a great comment and here's a great conversation. And so we, we have a conversation about that. I definitely bring up um, comments during class, but I also go into perusal and I respond to them in perusal. I mean, I just love having conversations, you know, and again, thank you to the designers for allowing us to at people. And so you can really alert them to, I'm responding to your comment. And so I love doing that. And we do that a lot in the first week of class. Travis, what about you? Yeah, I'll say uh, two, two shorter ones. So one from an administrative perspective in our first year courses program is the need to have a consistent curriculum across the university. Uh, we need all of our students to know about the resources and there's, there's no variation in what those resources are. But a lot of our teachers that teach these courses are doing it as like an adjunct responsibility or something. And so they have very little time to connect with their students and make those, those connections that are important to, to retention. And so I'm able to create their perusal course for them in a, in a master course that can be copied with like three clicks. And so I can take care of that in the summer in a day and save 120 instructors, you know, an hour or two of work. And I think that's a pretty good cost benefit thing right there. On a personal level, one thing, I, this is recent, so I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a master on this, but I've been redesigning one of our online eCampus courses over the summer. And I've been working with some of the new features that you all have released. And so I've been, um, previously I only used readings. And so now I'm using readings and videos and audio. And I've, I've also noted that there's, there's a new quiz feature. And rather than using a quiz to test knowledge, I'd like to do a quiz to preview uh, the content. You know, ask them what they know about it before you start to kind of get that metacognitive uh, work going in terms of knowing mm. what you know. And so if I can have just like a five questions at the beginning in the library that I can add to the assignment 
that leads into the video or leads into the reading that can uh, really go a long way, I think, in prepping them for the knowledge they're about to, to take in. Well, we're, we're nearing the end here of our lot of time, but I, I would like to ask one short question. If you were to meet one of your colleagues who is not yet using ungrading, is not really using perusal, what would your, and but is considering it and asking for your advice, what advice would you give that colleague? Okay, you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm serious. The students think the same things the teachers think, that the power system that's in place is going to come down on them if they don't adhere to the grading system, when in fact, Matt and I have worked as high as the provost level and even the president level and getting the blessing to work with ungraded stuff. And Peruzal has been a very uh, you know, welcomed addition to our, our, our book rollout program that we have. So it's, it's very much both the ungrading and Peruzal are uh, appreciated on an administrative level that I was surprised about. Yeah, and I would say in terms of ungrading, um, that that nature of trust, that trusting relationship is um, it's so rewarding and, and students give it right back to you. Uh, they're so appreciative when they really understand it and they believe that you're really going to trust them um, and it's a real thing. It's not a trick. They give it right back to you um, and it just changes the nature of my relationship with my students. I can't tell you how many times I've said to my students just this semester. When they've emailed me, I've said to them, please don't worry about our, our course. Please focus on your health or whatever it is that they're emailing you about. Worry about that first and then come back to our course when you're able. And that is, it's just such a different kind of relationship. Um, and so I, I think that's the best thing or one of the best things about ungrading. And as far as perusal, I, I've been, uh, evangelizing perusal for a number of years now at, at EKU. And I tell people that I've never had, I never had the relationship, never had the experience of reading at the same time as someone else. And that is, um, that's really a game changer. When you can read at the same time, essentially, as another person and answer the questions and hear their questions and ask them questions, it's, I think it's a spectacular. Well, that's just wonderful. Changing the game is what we're all about. And I think our last two conversations have been really, you know, full of rich ideas about, uh, about changing uh, the approach to teaching. So I want to thank you for listening and thank you to our guests, Matthew and Travis. Um, you can find our podcast and more on perusal.com. Please subscribe to join us on our next episode. Social Learning Amplified is sponsored by Perusal, the social learning platform that motivates students by increasing engagement, driving collaboration, and building community through your favorite course content. To learn more, join us at one of our introductory webinars. Visit perusal.com to learn more and register.